Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Beth Young, and you're listening to our best of series of How I Survived. Before we return to your ears with season four, we wanted to look back on the shows that you and 500,000 other listeners have loved so far. Today, we're sharing a story about a grandma, her granddaughter and their dog. Lisa Bennett's three-year-old granddaughter went missing outside her grandpa's property in Warwick, Queensland, when something remarkable happened. Lisa joins me now to share her story. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. Three-year-old Aurora Lee Kyle was last seen around 4pm yesterday with the family's cattle dog, Max. There were serious concerns for her welfare given the thick bushland and remoteness of the area. And in that moment, the whole world stopped. It took me to this place of death and grief. I can't lose my granddaughter. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? This is How I Survived. Stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I Survived. Hurtling along the highway on a Friday evening after a busy week of work, Lisa Bennett's phone buzzed. Answering on hands-free, her sister Ellen made an odd request. She asked me um, if I could give her directions to my ex-husband's house, which I thought was the most bizarre question to ask me. What on earth would my sister need my ex-husband's address for? I said to her, how strange, why would you want to go to Gordon's house? And she, she paused and she said to me, you don't know, do you? It was Lisa's worst nightmare. Spending the day on her grandpa's farm, her three-year-old granddaughter Aurora had vanished into thin air. And in that moment, the whole world stopped and I was driving a vehicle. So if you can imagine I'm moving, I'm in motion, but the entire world stopped. I just absolutely went to the worst place you could go and I just let out a scream and started crying. Lisa's ex-husband's mountain-fringed property just outside of Warwick, Queensland, was stunning. But for an inquisitive toddler like Aurora, dangers lurked around every corner. There are wild pigs out there. There are wild dogs out there. There are wild cats out there. And and then you've got a whole range of Australia's venomous snakes out there. And there's scorpions. And and then that's, that's just the wildlife. Then you start to imagine the terrain. And it, it is an exceptionally beautiful part of the world. 
but the reality of that land is it's harsh and it's dry and it's freezing cold and it's covered in granite boulders and they're high and they're rough and you only have to watch that movie 127 hours and you know how people how people fall down boulders and cliffs and get caught and and don't survive there's 12 dams on that property and there's wells and then there's the farm equipment and the machinery and the tractors and and on and on the list goes with a history working in child protection lisa couldn't help but think the worst aurora had already been missing four hours by now it was 7 p.m and the sun had well and truly set my head goes straight to what about the predators and I go straight to Daniel Morecambe Territory. This is 7 News. Good evening. More than 10 years after Daniel Morecambe was abducted, pedophile Brett Peter Cowan has been found guilty of his murder. Tonight we'll cross live to Kamer Grant. And that, that poor Supreme little William. William Tyrrell was just three when he disappeared from his grandmother's front yard. And, oh my God, Maddie McCann... The disappearance of three-year-old Madeline McCann shocked the world. The case has And all of the children that have gone missing that have never been found, and I'm thinking, it can't be my granddaughter. I can't lose my granddaughter. Forcing the horrific images out of her mind, Lisa wiped her eyes and went into super-grand mode. Still on the road, she called her daughter Letitia, Aurora's mum. And I say, Letitia, I'm on my way, I'm coming, we're going to find her, I will fight whoever needs to be fought, I will do whatever needs to be done. And she says to me, "Um, Mum, I'm not coping, um, but you need to stay in Brisbane. Um, You're actually going to be useless, you're going to be more emotional than me. That's really unusual for her to not want me. And so I thought, wow, she is really in shock. So I just kind of agreed with her and and, um, said, okay, no problem, I'll check in with you. Um, And thought, but like hell, I'm on my way. I've got to get to my granddaughter. When it comes to my family and a crisis strikes, I find this strength that comes and emerges into this survival mode of I will fight for my family and you better look out. Racing home to pick up her husband Kelly and 13-year-old son Joey, they piled back into the car for the 150-kilometre journey inland. I started making phone calls to every person I knew in the area that could get there on foot, every person who might have a horse, every person who might have a motorbike, anyone who would have the ability to trek along that country. And I'm thinking I need as many Indigenous trackers on that land as I can get that are familiar with the land, that know the smells, that know the signs, because I really don't know what I'm doing. It was dark when I arrived at the property and and it was like a scene from a movie set. And I drove up the driveway and in through the gates and there were just um, SES and police everywhere and with torches roaming roaming the countryside. Terrifyingly, they hadn't found a trace of Aurora. Turns out, after badgering her grandpa to go yabbying, Aurora insisted that Max, his 17-year-old partially blind and deaf blue healer, had to come along for the adventure. They were almost ready to go when the phone rang. Gordon went to answer it quickly. When he returned, Aurora and Max were nowhere to be seen. 
he'd turned his back for less than a minute. Lisa didn't blame her ex. It could have happened to anyone. Aurora had thought she was going yabbing down the creek and that she'd walked off with the dog. Every minute felt like an hour longer that Aurora was out in the dark and it was pitch black at that point and it was cold and I just couldn't tolerate the thought of her being out there. I just decided, look, I can't just stand around waiting. I really need to go. So I set off in in the direction um, between what I could see was um, two big hills. But as you as you kind of walk towards them, you got lost in the darkness. And before long, I was tripping over little stones and there were barbed wire fences and there were shrubs and who knew what was in there. But I didn't have a torch. And so I very quickly become overwhelmed with fear that I'm going to hurt myself walking through here. Heading back to Ground Zero, Lisa spoke with police, grilling them on how exactly they plan to find Little Aurora. And I think in my mind, I'm thinking I'm, I'm a, being a difficult customer. But at the same time, I have a three-year-old granddaughter out there and I don't actually care about politeness right now because I'm just absolutely distraught. And I just want people to feel as urgent as I feel about finding my granddaughter. I, I actually opted to go and find the trackers. And I found... Um, I found a deer tracker from who'd come from North Queensland, and and he um, he took me around um, up into the hills. And the terrain we were in was really really dangerous because the mountains that we were on were really quite vertical. You really had to anchor every step in. We were mindful that there were wildlife all around us moving around. We weren't sure what they were because we couldn't see. And there were, of course, lots of barbed wire fencing around the place. And we found little old shacks and little old, um, you know, uh, run-down stables that we found that were at night that looked really scary. But we were hoping that maybe she'd taken shelter somewhere like that. But, but of course, we came up with nothing. And, and we'd been searching for hours and hours. And so we decided to make our way back to where the police were set up just to check in. And this was probably about... 2am and that was when um, one of the detectives approached me and said that they were going to call it a night. Uh, a couple of officers would remain on site but they wanted the family to go and get some rest and I just found that so confronting. The idea that we were going to shut down and I thought how can I rest? It just seems like a really odd concept to me. In the dark the search and rescue helicopters were blind and with heavy cloud cover Thermal imaging wasn't picking up anything. So Lisa and her family decided to take the cops' advice and grab some rest before the search began again at 4.30am. I just tossed and turned and I thought, I can't sleep. I just, I can't even have a blanket on. The thought of me laying here warm while my granddaughter's out in the cold, I, I really can't even, I can't do it. I feel guilty. I feel like, how could I possibly? So, so I got up. And my sister's dear friend, Jamie, beautiful, beautiful soul of a person she is, said to me, oh, you can't sleep either. And I said, I'm going back out there. And she said that I'm coming. And so I got back in the car and I started going up and down the old Stanthorpe Road very slowly and it was still pitch black. And Jamie and I were yelling out, hoping maybe she's made her way to the roadside and maybe she'll hear us. Yelling for hours until she was hoarse, as daylight broke, Lisa tried to put herself in Aurora's shoes. What would the cheeky, headstrong three-year-old do? 
And I said, I think she's gone yabbying herself because that's Aurora. She doesn't wait for anyone. She, if she wants to do something, she does it. She's fiercely independent. She's she's fiercely capable of anything she sets her mind to and and just an incredibly determined little girl. And I thought that's what she's done. So off we went into the bushland and followed what looked to be a, a creek direction been going for quite a while and I came to like a clearing and like the creek bed dropped off then and it dropped off to a big drop off and I looked down and I thought there's nothing down there so once she got here where would she go and I could see that in the clearing there were two mountains so there was one to the left and one to the right so you kind of had three choices you either went up the left mountain up the right mountain or you dropped down down the cliff face and I was yelling out Rora Rora and then I thought I could hear back, yeah. And I thought, hang on, I think my head's playing games. I think I'm in such a state of panic and tiredness that I'm hearing things. And so I yelled out, Rora. And I heard, yeah. And I thought, no, it's a bird. It's a bird. It's got to be a little bird because it was such a squeaky little sound. So I called for Jamie and I got Jamie to come to me and I said, I'm going to yell out Aurora and I wanted you to tell me what you hear. So I yelled out again, Aurora. And I heard, yeah. And she said, oh, my God, that's her. And I said, are you sure? She said, yes, she's saying yeah to you. And I said, oh, my God, that's what I think I hear. And so I yelled out again, Aurora, yeah. And I said, oh, my God, it's got to be her. And But I don't know which way, but I think it's to the mountain on the right. So I'm just going to head up the mountain. And again, it was one of those vertical cliff faces that you just kind of have to hike up. And I thought, my God, I hope I can get up there. So I kept going and I kept going. And halfway up the mountain, I'm yelling out, is that you, Rora? And I could hear, yeah. And as I got higher and higher up, the yeah got louder. And I thought, oh, it is her. It's got to be her. So about two-thirds of the way up, I could clearly hear, yeah. And I said, Rora, I'm going to say, Granby. And I want you to yell back, Granby. So I yelled out, Granby. And she yelled back, Granby. And so I screamed down the mountain at Jamie, it's her. I found her. I found Aurora. And so I knew she'd yell out to the neighbours and the neighbours would yell out to other people because there were just trails of people all over the place. And so I kept going and I kept going and I could hear her, but I couldn't see her. And so it was it was when I got just to the top that Jake, her uncle, came running up the mountain like a mountain lion. I couldn't believe it. I thought, bloody hell, that'd be right because it's taken me half the day to get up here. But this little fella's going to just run straight up. And I said to him, look, I think I've found her but we've got to find her up the top here. And I don't know if she's over this barbed wire fence or she's this way. And so I went to go through the barbed wire fence and then, and as I did, around the tree came the dog, Max. And I looked and I went, oh, my God, it's Max. And so with that, Max turned around and went around the other side of the tree. So I followed him around the tree and as we got around the other side, through the fence but behind the tree and under a big bush, was Aurora and I yelled out I found her and I went over to the fence and I got her through the fence and I held her and as I did my legs turned to jelly and I just fell to the ground and I started to weep because I was just so relieved that I'd found her and her little eyes were so big her hair was covered in burrs and mats and she was covered in ticks from head to toe and I and I was crying and she looked at me and she said why are you crying, Granby? 
And I said, happy tears, baby. And I just held her and I thought, I've got to let someone know. So I got my mobile phone and I tried to ring my husband and I could get no signals, but I could get a voicemail through to him. I've got her. I've got her. Hi, Papa. Hi. Hi. I've got to tell you. It was, it was a moment that I will never forget and... And it makes me grateful every day because I know there are so many families who don't find their babies. Incredibly, Aurora had trekked a whopping two kilometres and scaled a 500 metre incline on her tiny legs. By now, it was 8am. She'd roughed it outside with her best mate Max for 17 hours. You know, I came back down that mountain and every step was a hard step and and the neighbour had come up and he offered to carry Aurora but she clung to me like a little monkey and I got down and I handed her to her mother and Letitia looked at me and she said, oh, how typical, of course it would be you, Mum, that found her after I told you you'd be useless. Later, Aurora explained that she'd gotten lost after deciding to walk 150 kilometres to Brisbane to find her mummy, who was doing some jobs in the city. She said, Mum, it got the very, very dark of the night. And she said, and then I got lost and I tried to find my way back, but it was the very, very late at night. And she said, so what she had to do was lay down and go to sleep and Max laid on her and he was her blanket and kept her warm. And so she she just loves animals and she just has this beautiful relationship with Max. And so Max would have snuggled up with her and kept her warm all night. And this is a dog who's partially blind and completely deaf. So she slept with the dog. She said, I had a good sleep, Granby. Max became pillow and protector. Good boy. For a sleepy little girl in a T-shirt on a 13-degree night, Aurora heard people calling her name. She saw the searchlights of helicopters. As the choppers were floating around, Max had seen the lights and he'd gone out to go towards it. And Aurora said the big monsters came with the big lights. And she said Max went to go to them, but she held Max in and said, no, Max, don't go near the monsters. It was a rough night for Aurora. But the bubbly kid bounced back quickly. She was the star of the show and people were saying, you know, family were saying to her, Aurora, I heard you went into the bush last night. And she said, oh, yes. Oh, yes, Max and I, we went camping. We went camping last night. And she said, oh, and we're going to go camping again. And we said, oh, no, you're not going camping on your own again. You, What do you have to do, Aurora? You have to take an adult with you. Yes, and next time I'm going to have a tent. <laughs> We've got you, little rabbit. Did you go on a bench with Max? Yeah. Now for the little cutie is still planning adventures. And do you remember when you went camping on the mountain? Yeah. Tell me about that. I'm going to drive all the way up there and all the way down there. I don't think so. Yes, I am. I love you, Rora. I'm going to drive on the water. Okay, you go and drive. I do call her Aurora the Explorer. <laughs> so Aurora just has family supervising and watching all the time. I know all of the times I've been in supermarkets with her and, and said to Letitia, let's just stand back and watch and see what she does. When she realises we're not there, she'll get a fright. Well, she never does. She never gets a fright, that child. And so, unfortunately, she's one of those children that are fearless wanderers 
and she just has to be watched. Aurora's faithful protector, Max, was awarded for his heroics too. Yeah, so Max received a medal from the Queensland Police and he was made an honorary police dog. Really, I just think Max just wants a, a, a nice piece of steak and a, and a warm bed. But um, I, but I know that it's, it's a great honour for the family and I think, um, what a great dog. I mean, just how wonderful that he was there with her and he kept her safe. You, you can't ask for anything more. Sadly, just days after we chatted with Lisa, brave Max passed away. Max, you deserve the cosiest bed and all the state you can handle up there, buddy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss more incredible stories of survival. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really helps. 